Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of the FCM podcast. And yet again, after GB uh, claims that something is going to happen without actually scheduling it, something ends up happening because GD talk, GB talked about it in the chat. Uh, so this is going to be yet another edition of the FCM draft podcast, a tradition unlike any other, and a tradition much better than the Masters every April. Uh, that would And uh, on the line to help me critique the picks is GB. GB, how you doing? Doing good, and I agree. The Masters are terrible, and people that do like them, I don't know what to tell you. I bet going to it live would be pretty cool, but watching it on TV is ridiculous. Um, uh, I went I went to the U.S. Open live, but the U.S. Open has a bit of a rowdier crowd than the Masters does, and I had a little more fun with that. Uh, is it like a, like a Happy Matt or Happy Madison? That's his production. <laughs> happy is, Gilmore. Is, happy Not Gilmore, like is that? Not quite yeah. like that. I mean, it's rowdy for golf, which is still like a two on the overall rowdiness scale, but it's better than like the point five that the Masters brings to the table, where all you get to do is clap slowly and respectfully, no matter what yeah, happens. I bet, I bet there's some pretty awesome off-site parties around there, though, I would guess. I mean, I'm sure there are, especially if Woods, especially if Tiger Woods can ever get back into playing shape. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, w- when I was there, it was on a public course. So, again, it was a little more – the rules were a little less strict than they usually are. Very exciting, G. Very yeah. exciting. <laughs> we're talking about golf. That, that's how you know it's going to be a good addition to the FCM Transition. podcast. <laughs> so – we're going to first talk about the most important thing in the draft, which I guess is really the top of the draft. And rather than just talk about one pick, as we've done in the past before, I think it's better that we talk about the top five and sort of how that how that played out. And I think it started, especially with this draft, where people thought there was going to be a pretty clear one, two, three, and that was broken rather earlier with the first pick. Um, and that was the pick of uh, Rafael Villanis to Atlanta and uh, the stocky regime out there. So um, you, a lot of people had the top three players on their board as hitters, and sort of zigging when, zigging when you're supposed to zag, staying in Rocky, take a pitcher, and an interesting pitcher. So what do you think about that selection for Atlanta? I liked it. Um, I didn't really give credence to the whole, like, there's an easy top three. I don't – I can – any draft – I mean, there's never an easy or just an obvious top three to me or top five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe a obvious top guy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I mean, the draft is just so unpredictable in general. Um, everyone has their own thoughts on things, which, you know, makes it fun. Um, on Valenus specifically, I liked him a lot. I talked with Rocky a little bit about this. Um, you know, I... If I if I had the pick, he would really be under a strong consideration for the top pick for me. Um, he did drop the sim before the draft, which is 
you know, kind of could put a wrench in things a little bit. Um, I believe it was a random drop. It was a random drop. Um, but uh, still, I think his next jump is going to make him look pretty fancy. And I I didn't think there was just a complete stud out there that would just make you have to pick him number one. So I thought Valenus was a good pick. I mean, usually when we see, like, uh, a guy that has to go number one, it's usually um, – it's interestingly, it's usually not a pitcher. It's usually either one of those – speed leadoff hitting center fielders that you see from time to time toward the top of the draft or or possibly like a an in, like a second baseman or some sort of infielder that looks like he's going to be able to hit and play defense and those will you be the guys that people will say oh you have to take this person number 1 um i mean i think that there was a lot of question as to whether or not Resendez because of how much more developed he was than the other players by this point would be like a safer pick but still a pick with star potential, and I think a lot of people envisioned him going first in this draft. Um, Valenis is an interesting choice. I don't like him as much as some other people do. Um, Dalzell was the first pitcher on my board, not Valenis, although Valenis probably would have been second. Uh, Valenis is good, certainly. He's got that good control you look for. He's got a decent repertoire of pitches. Um, the home runs being as consistently high as they are, uh, well, maybe not a huge deal considering how young he is and how – undeveloped he is for that particular level, it would scare me off a little bit, and I think Dalzell is just a little bit of a safer bet. I know a lot of people would probably go the other way just by virtue of Dalzell being left-handed more than anything else. But, he is from um, Wichita, though, G. Wichita is a <laughs> Wichita, just saying. You know, a place you rep for hard. Go Shockers. Um, go. Yeah, so I, I think um, – I, I mean, I think if you're going with the pitcher, he's not a bad choice to go with. Um, and if we look at, like, Stang's draft history specifically, he likes to go with these young sort of guys and let them develop up into their ratings. So it doesn't surprise me that he didn't go with a guy like Resendez. I'm a little surprised they didn't go with Engelbrecht, but um, if they're going to go with, like, a young guy, this isn't a bad choice by any means. Well, I'll say, I'll say at least on the stocky end of Rocky, um, he, to me – is by far the best guy to pick out first baseman. Like he, his draft history, like he always finds his first baseman, second, third, fourth round, fifth round, whatever. Like he has a ton of guys throughout his draft history that he's he's found that have been really good players later in the draft. So, um, I get it. I get it on that aspect because they have a guy that can really identify um, diamonds in the rough for first base. Um, and I think pitching, I think if you can get a top-end player at any position, it, you'd want him to be a pitcher. Yeah. So I, I get it on that on that aspect. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it, does that scare you a bit, though, that Rocky has a history of picking these good first basemen, and he passed on Engelbrecht? Does that make you worry about Engelbrecht's future as a player? I don't know about that. I think it's just that, you know, it's the value thing where, mm-hmm. you know, they believe that they can get – um, one of those first basemen, you know, in whatever draft a little bit later where they don't have to spend a premium pick to do it. So I think it's, it's that's kind of the line of thinking there. Yeah, it doesn't seem unreasonable to me at all. Uh, next next pick that we're talking about is uh, the Philadelphia, where Philadelphia went with uh, Zach Whittier. Now, Whittier, um, among the three offensive prospects, probably has the least offensive upside, but – Definitely already looks like a defensive, like 
a strong defensive player at second and at third. So this is sort of – you see these guys sometimes move up in the draft. Um, you know that, like, uh, we've built our team around guys kind of like this, GB, in the past. So what do you think of Whittier? I mean, I like him as a player, you know, on its face. I like him because he has a really low floor. Um, yeah. He's going to be a good major league player regardless um, of how he really, you know, progresses. Um, it's, you know, Mike is saying that he's, he's comparing to Eric Lindsay, um, the guy for Cincinnati uh, that is just crushing it and has great defense. Um, I don't see that. I, I mean, that's kind of the exception to the rule. Usually these type of um, guys are just really good defensively and they hit okay. They're kind of like a guy that you want to put seven, eight, or nine. Um, yeah, but he's going to be great defensively, and he's going to be a non-black hole on offense. So, yeah, for me, I wouldn't take him at number two. Um, I can't hate a lot on the pick because he's he's you know he's not going to completely bomb like some guys do. But uh, you know, I mean, Chris got himself a probably a pretty solid you know second third baseman for the next you know ten years. So that's not bad. I mean, he's the guy in this draft that you could make the best case, like, could play in the majors for a team right now. Because I think there are people starting worse at second base than he would bring to the table. Um, yeah. But, I, again, with the offensive upside, upside I really don't see uh, Lindsey. Um, the player I see when I look at Zach Whittier is someone with great contact, a little bit of power, but that eye is really going to drag him down in the sense he's not really going to walk for you. And so I think that's going to keep his GPS, his GPS, his OPS in like that 750 range. He will be able to get to the ballpark. We're not worried about his GPS. Um, so his, his OPS really in the 750 range. So he reminds me a lot of Ryan Travis. And Travis was a good player for a little while and ended up with close to, I want to say close to 3,000 hits. Uh, but... Travis was never a superstar offensive player, and you sort of saw that by how often he bounced around teams, where if you had more of an Eric Lindsay caliber hitter, that's the kind of guy who's going to maybe be traded once, um, and that's assuming that there's like a rebuild going on or something like that. Like Guys like that oftentimes stick around from one team to the other, and I think Travis, Ryan Travis is more what you're looking at here, which does make me a little wary to take him second overall if you're going to get, like, sort of an offensive compiler more than an offensive star. But, again, with the shortage of really good second baseman in this league, this is a more than justifiable pick at second overall. I don't even see him as Travis. Um, and I know his offensive numbers got boosted by being in Colorado for a while. But I I, I think he's more of – I can't even remember their names. Um, some of the guys that were like, you know, this profile even before Travis came in um, – I think one guy was with Atlanta for a while. One guy got picked by PR, like second or third overall, um, when he was with the Angels. I can't, I don't remember their names, but I wouldn't be surprised if we were, if we were all, if you were just naming Ryan Travis and forgot that that was all the same player because of how often he moved. <laughs> yeah, I mean they all they all look really similar, but it's just, I mean Ryan Travis has some pretty good numbers. Um, yeah, he had some pretty good years, and he was in Colorado for a while. So I get that kind of boosted a little bit, but um, I don't know if if he has a career like Ryan Travis, I think it's you know a great pick. Yeah, I mean it's certainly in terms of the longevity. But let's say 
if he has like a Ryan Travis upside, but only has a eight or 10 year career instead of an 18 year career, we might be calling this pick. We might be calling this pick. Okay. But a little bit too high. Yeah. I think that's fair. So, yeah, I think that that's how I feel about that, but certainly, um, certainly a solid enough pick by Chris, not a lot of hatred going on in this draft. I think people for the most part did things that made sense. Um, Next to the new uh, the new horrifying regime in San Diego, we've empowered Maddie to take the Padres um, to, to take the Padres out of the um, NLS basement after that trade with Decker uh, of the of each other, um, and that means Alberto Resendez, who Maddie had far and away I think is the top player on his board, go first overall, uh, go uh, third overall to him. I'm sure Maddie's happy with this pick, um, but what do you think of this pick? I think there's kind of two schools of thought on this build. Um, you know, we're getting some, especially with Whittier and Resendez, we're getting some obvious builds that you kind of can, can dictate from past players how they go. Um, because mm-hmm. it's really obvious what their build is right off the bat. Um, and they can go to two, they can go different ways. You know, progression in Mogul is random, and uh, mm-hmm. that's the fun and the hate in it. Um, for me, I'm in the, in the camp that a lot of these guys haven't turned out. Um, even the guys that hit the hit the early '90s peaks, um, they seem to drop, and I don't, I have no idea why. Really quickly, mm-hmm. or even when they hold that for a few years, they don't seem to hit up to their numbers. Um, and some I, guys I assume do. it's because of the player photo. <laughs> uh, I don't even have a player photo on this guy. No, so I don't yeah, know. that was a joke. So uh, okay, yeah. there you go. That was an honor. That was an honor of our hero, J. Main. J. Main went over the head. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. I, it's just for me. I I think it's a, a you know solid enough pick. I don't think it's like the best pick ever. I don't you know I don't think it's like a pick that you just are like oh my god that's amazing this or that. I think it was a nice pick. Um, I I just I don't have much thought besides that. It, it's a solid pick. It's it's not mind blowing. It's not terrible. It's just I guess it'll be another thing we'll think about when we see these type of builds later in the in the future, how Resendez does. Yeah, I think the, in, the interesting thing about Resendez, it sets him apart from these other builds. And I, th- I'm going from memory here, so I'm not positive on this. But I think a lot of the other, like, super ready, left-hand hitting outfielders that came up had much higher health ratings than Resendez. So I'm thinking that that may – Resendez's health is, like, you know, 68, which isn't terrible. That's good. That's like but perfect. that's good. That that probably yeah. means a good sign for his development overall. Like yeah, yeah, if he gets to a ninety four with like a sixty eight health rating and you're able to like, you know, platoon him and keep him healthy or not platoon him or maybe put him at D H like part of the time uh in order to keep him on the field, that's a really good sign for his development. Um I think if I had the first overall pick, he's who I would have taken. So obviously I'm happy with that pick at three. It is a little interesting considering um, Maddie, I think, is takes probably one of the most major league ready players, even though um, his team is the furthest away. Like you'd almost expect this, like sort of backwards, where where um, where Resendez goes to a team like maybe more, maybe uh, less further, uh, more further along in the rebuild than San Diego, who just sort of started and helped to tear things down and now has ended up with. 
um, a player that's probably only a couple of years away from contributing at the major league level. And you think like that sort of team would end up with like a pitcher, like, like uh, Dalzell or, or, uh, or the guy who went number one overall. Um, yeah. Um, it, you know, I think, and he has, and he has another guy in his farm that, you know, the exact same build as him. Um, mm. Contreras or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I think for Maddie, who is, you know, pretty well known for doing this. I mean, he's most like. I mean, he's he's already put Contreras out in the trade market. Um, he could do the same with Resendez because you know it is a it's a provocative, vi, you know, vital package with these guys. That it's just obvious. <laughs> the provocative package. You like that? Yes, I um, do. And and it's uh, it's just something that I think you know with one jump, this guy he doesn't even have to see him through. He can get you know a prospect package or prospect um, draft pick package that he's going to really like that will boost his his rebuild quickly, more quickly um, than you would think. And uh, these guys, if he puts them on the market, you would, I mean, you would think the market would be uh, pretty fruitful for that. Yep, P- provocative and fruitful. I'm glad, I'm mm. glad we're, we're really upping know, the right? vocabulary on this edition to get, of the FDM yeah. podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Next on the list is uh, OWM from uh, from Los Angeles picked Jeff Cruz, uh, a switch hitting young outfielder, but um, or outfielder I guess in air quotation marks because looks like he's probably going to be a DH in the long term. Um, what do you think of this selection of Cruz? I think he's probably the guy that we were most surprised hit the top five out of any of those names that did get up in there. But uh, what do you think of this pick? Yeah, I'd say this is probably, you know, the worst pick out of, you know, the top half of the draft. Um, mm-hmm. Now, he's 18 years old. He's a switch hitter. Um, he has a huge growth period that's going to keep going for him. So, he probably has a lot of jumps ahead. Um, so, you know, anything can happen. Um, he could be a really, really, really good DH in five, six years or something like that. Um so you don't know. It's hard to say with these guys that just have this huge uh, disparity between overall and peak um, with their age. But just for me, it's it's there's there's a lot of guys still out there that you know look like they have a better chance of succeeding even at the same type of age that a Cruzy is. So it was kind of a head scratcher. Yeah, it confused me a little bit too. I mean. Partially, Cruz is in this weird situation where his birthday is the day of the draft, so he's literally going to drop tomorrow. Um, but that's not really the issue in my mind. The issue in my mind more deals with the fact that I'm pretty sure that Cruz, in the long term, is going to be a pretty good contact hitter at the major league level. But I just wonder how much power he's ultimately going to have. If you look at those amateur home run numbers, he's clearly more of a double power hitter than a home run power hitter. And even if you project a lot of development in there, I wonder if he's ever going to be like a 30 home run hitter on the major league level, even if he gets up toward those 90 ratings. And if he's not hitting a ton of home runs for you, and he's not playing defense, that's a good player, but I, it does seem like if you wanted a hitter in this range, there were other guys you could have taken the chance on, like um, Engelbrecht, or that brought other things to the table, like Goosby, like Goolsby or Spurrett that would have been a better value at this point in the draft? Um, you know, I'll say this. Like, I'm not as – have as many expertise as a lot of these guys in the league, but uh, I've been kind of looking more and more because 
with these young guys that have, you know, their immature numbers, um, pitchers or hitters. And uh, it's I know home runs a big indication for Amy numbers. Um, some other numbers are that people look at. But like with these guys that are young, it's just it's kind of a just a hit or miss thing because I've I've seen the I, I look at these guys that are you know ninety whatever and they have to you know they really have to progress well. But these guys that are some of the best hitters in the league right now or in the past or some of the best pitchers in the league, um, their amateur numbers when they were drafted sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, whether it be home runs given up or home runs hit, it really is just kind of random to me. Mm-hmm. And, and there are some guys that, that, you know, will make a different case on that. But uh, it just – I look less at that kind of thing um, in, in certain situations now just from seeing that, that go on. But, uh, yeah, even then, there's guys that are his age or younger that profile a little bit better than Cruz and can play defense. Right. I, I think in terms of how how much do amateur numbers – mean they can tell you something but there's obviously a lot of variance involved here like there like there's no like to to say that you can to say that you can look in there and know anything particularly solid about the player is probably overstating things but you might get a little bit of useful information yeah yeah um and i think that that little sign would definitely would have definitely pushed me to look at him as part of a lower tier of hitters that would have gone outside the top five. But, Mm -hmm. again, I don't think it's a bad selection. I've seen much worse selections in the top five. I can at least envision him being an everyday player at the major league level. Yeah, he has a ton of projection on him. And, uh, you know, he probably is going to be a pretty good DH. So um, there's guys that are in the top five that (laughs) barely made the major league. So not a horrible pick, but through – with you know when you compare them to these other picks around here, I think it's probably not the best. Yeah, um, I for the fifth overall pick, um, you've got Milwaukee and their selection of Mike Engelbrecht. Um, I think this is a pick Jamie was a little bit reluctant to make and just sort of said, "Hey, he's the best player on the board. Let's go. What? Yeah, let's go with it." Or maybe other people. Or maybe other people are seeing something that I'm not seeing in him, so I should probably take him at this point. I think that that means J-Man ended up with a total, with a steal at this point. And I think, with the exception of Engelbrecht's um, very high health rating, which would be the one thing that would scare me, between his age and his build, and the fact that he's one of these first basemen that not only has that strong left-handed platoon, but is good enough defensively that you can actually play him in the field, um, I mean, I think this is this was pretty much a no-brainer at this point. Um, yes, I guess you could have made a play, made a case for Dalzell going next, but in terms of who do I think is the most upside left on the board, um, Engelbrecht was it, and I think it was a really smart selection by J-Man. Yeah, I can't really um, argue that at all. Um, the one thing I would say um, that could counter it would be just positional value um first baseman you know usually you can get them um late in the first round second you know you know a lot of you know you can get those guys later in the draft so this guy better be really pretty elite for for a period of time to to warrant uh this kind of pick unless you just don't see anything on the draft board that you know could you know make you not take the pick um i think there are some guys still that you could take 
um, before him. But, you know, that's just kind of my my thoughts. And it's not – I thought it's a, I thought it was a good pick. So you would have part. considered, like, for positionally – I know you ended up trading up for Goolsby, so you probably are a big fan of Goolsby and might have taken him over Engelbrecht. Would you consider yeah. maybe a guy like Dan O'Donnell <laughs> over Engelbrecht? I would have I would have considered uh, o- O'Donnell over Engelbrecht. Um, Goolsby – I'm I'm not in love with him honestly. So I just thought his positional value and his projection could be to where he's a solid third baseman for a while. Um, yeah, he seems very Travis Fibbin-y to me. Who? Like Travis Fibbin. I had him as a third baseman on one of my on one of the Orioles teams that won. Is he terrible? Like really great arm, really great range, not as great fielding rating, but could hit roughly but it hit sort of at a, a above average level. And I'll take that. Um, and I know for the eighth overall pick, that might be not a great thing, but uh, I, I I have trouble bringing in third baseman. Um, and that's kind of, for me, I think is a pretty valuable position to have a solid player at um, for a long period of time. And that's what I'm hoping he is. I don't think he's going to be amazing by any means, but I think he can be, Pretty solid, you know, just a solid guy that you can count on, put like six six or so in your lineup and just uh, be happy. But anyway, yeah, yeah Inglebrick, um, I think it's a good pick. Um, I think most of these picks are pretty good, so it's it's hard for me to really hate on things, um, especially with, with J-Main. Um, he has Santana, who looks pretty much like a, he could be a beast as well, so you could have a DH first base, you know, three, four, four, five kind of thing in your lineup where you're just crushing crushing pitches, so that's that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I think if we were, like, if these picks were, like, if we were giving star ratings, like, Maddie would, the lowest we would probably give would be, like, I don't know, three, three and a half stars to any of these picks. Yeah, it's, it's not, I know people want hot takes and, like, saying you love or hate things, but, uh, you know, in, in G&I's America, we can have a neutral take on things. Yes, we we these are the nice lukewarm uh recently recently out of the microwave takes that uh the t- microwave takes that you can um you can take to the bank. Um in terms of the rest of the first round, were there any picks that you thought uh were really underrated? Um it's hard for me to say that Vic the Victor pick for Atlanta was underrated because you know, he did take him pretty high. I did not expect that guy to get taken that high. Um, I was actually going to trade up for him at 18 or 19 or whatever. Um, I know. I feel like you should. You have like a copyright on the low 80s peak speedy outfielder pick in the middle of the first round at this point. I know. I had a whole plan going on, man. And uh, Rocky, who has like 17 first round picks every draft now, um, is killing it, but uh, is killing me. But, um, you know, I think he's another – I think he's really – I think he's a good pick, um, especially if he gets a jump early. But uh, I thought that was a good pick. Um, I thought in the first round, um, Severson for Oakland, for the fighting Freds. Um, you know, that that's a, that's a that pitcher, um, his profile, it can be – it can go a lot of different ways. But uh, I think if it hits, man, he could have – you know, a really good number two pitcher in the late first round. I think that's that's a good that's a good uh, risk to take there. Yeah, it seems like a uh, fairly reasonable selection. 
Um, I think a guy that I liked probably a little bit more than most people is uh, Luke Davis, who went to the Blue Jays. Um, I Gross. think. I mean, you can you can definitely make a case that you shouldn't like Luke Davis. Here's the upside in my mind. Um, third baseman has surprisingly become a weaker and weaker hitting position over time, and it's a hard position. It's a very easy position to find bench guys at, but it's a hard position to find starters at. And I think uh, down the road, um, Davis is actually going to be a pretty impressive left-handed hitter to go with uh, to go with um, maybe not gold club caliber G, uh, defense, but a tier just below. And I think um, I would I think Goolsby is probably a better player, but I don't think he's a better player by an absolute ton more than Davis. So I think Davis is a very solid selection. I think in this draft you could have gotten a lot of outfielders, but in terms of infielders, you really had to go toward the top to get guys that were going to be particularly useful down the road. And I and I think it I think that that's a pretty impressive selection by Corey. You know, I don't actually hate Luke Davis either because he's 18. He's a left-hander. He plays third base. He's going to be good defensively. So you know all those things right off the bat. Um, His his offensive profile, you don't really have no idea how it's going to go. He'll strike out a lot. That I'm sure of. (laughs) Okay, yeah. But, like, he's, you know, you you don't know exactly how it's going to happen. But, uh, like you said, you know, third base is, for the most part, weak. You're either going to have, really high defensive guy that's not going to hit very well. You're going to have a guy that can't play defense that's going to hit solidly. Um, or you could get those – some of those guys that are really good defensively that have power that, you know, really don't have much contact or anything else. But uh, those are kind of the three ways I think third base kind of goes for the most part. Um, so if this guy who's 18, who hits left-handed, who plays good defense, is just a solid hitter, that's a good pick. Yeah, um, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, what uh, what other picks did you like in the first round? You know what? You answer that because I'm on the look right now. Okay, sweet. Um, I think for a good first-round pick, you actually have to go to the end of the first round. I think um, sometimes by being patient, you can end up with a really good player after uh, after a range of similar players come off the board. And I think that's sort of what happened here with uh, Ivan Valudez. Um, he's only 19 years old. He has a really good fastball. His control is pretty solid. He's got some little bit of power upside, so he's probably going to end up in like that mid-70s range of power, which means he's not going to be a total zero in terms of striking out batters. And ultimately, in the long term, I think he's going to be a really good, uh, a really good player. And if I'm looking at the guys who went immediately before him, like – Stu Tippett only has two pitches and is already 22 years old, even though he could be a thing down the road. Um, I think he's probably a little bit better than Quentin Hunter, who went to Cleveland. Um, Pretty comparable, honestly, to Bill Severson, uh, although Severson, I think, might ultimately be a little better. But you're also getting him seven picks later. And I think if you look at the arms in the bottom half of the first round, he compares maybe not favorably, but at least comparably to all of them. And I think that that means Valudez, uh, just sort of by sitting there and waiting until the other arms get off the board, you end up with, like, a pretty good first-round caliber arm at the back end of the first round, which I think was a really smart pick. So, now that you say that, um, Valudez just isn't the guy that tickles my fancy. Uh, Maybe in the mid-second round for me, um, just on projection. 
he has a nice fastball and, you know, nice two-pitch thing going on. Um, home runs, you know, who knows. He's also 19, um, is a left-hander. Uh, his his just vitals look okay. Um, for me, a guy you mentioned is Tippett, and I like Tippett a lot. Um, he only dropped two on his birthday, which is a nice sign. I know he's 22, but he just had his birthday. Um, it looks like he's not going to drop a ton on his on his uh, on his birthdays. That's nice. His home run situation, you could look at it a bunch of different ways, I guess. Um, you don't know. Uh, it's kind of murky. Uh, and also with the two pitch thing, it doesn't bother me as long as those two pitches become pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's he probably going to get a. Yeah, and if he hits that, he could always get a third pitch in spring training. Like I think you I will think... get a probably get a third pitch because that usually happens. But I almost wouldn't want him to get a third pitch. Um, we're thinking of it in like just in terms of real life, where you need more than two pitches if you're going to be a starter. But I think in Mogul, um, if and you know what, this could be completely wrong. Um, you know, Mogul has to pick a pitch every time it pitches um, in mm-hmm. simulation. So. If his two pitches are really good and they can only pick those two pitches, he's going to have a good pitch every time. Not yeah. if you have a guy with five pitches that three of them are really good and two of them are terrible, and then sometimes Mogul just randomly picks that pitch, you know, that could be a bad thing. So yeah, I'd I honestly like just, to know more about how that works. Yeah, because, me too. That'd because be really not. That'd be good. I've heard people say the three-pitch thing in reference to the fact that Mogul – will end up overusing both pitches and eventually they'll wear down. But I don't I, – I haven't tested it myself to know for sure if that's true. Um, I know one thing that Mogul does is it tends to pick fastball a lot or whatever your first pitch is, like, way more often than the others. So having a bad fastball, which is usually the thing in the top slot, does hurt you. Um, I, but about whether or not – you need more than two pitches to be a starter. I mean, in real life, that's probably almost certainly true unless you're a knuckleballer or have just two absurd uh, pitches. Uh, but even then, you usually end up with, like, some sort of third show-me pitch as a starter in real baseball. So it would be interesting to see if it works that way in Mogul. Yeah, no, I'm exa- probably no one knows this. Maddie might think he knows it because it's Maddie. <laughs> um, but – uh Maybe he does know. I don't know. If he does, that's a huge advantage for him. Um, maybe Andy knows it. I don't know. I don't. I'm not gonna take the time to really figure that part out unless someone tells me. But uh, it is interesting, and if, it would be quite um, an advantage to know how that works. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've seen the beef with guest twelve in there. Uh, any comments on guest twelve? No. Um, you know. I just randomly picked out a guest, and uh, he's the guy. So there's no hatred towards him, but, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. I know it was the Mutual Admiration Society for the top five in this draft, but there were any picks in the first round that you didn't Um, You know, I I looked through this before the uh, pod pretty decently, um, and I thought the first round really went pretty well. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. You could make a case for most every single guy in the first round, even guys that you're like, yeah, you could still like, you know, that guy could that turn out pretty good. Um, if I want to nitpick, um, I'll say my boy Cad, who I love, go blue. Um, he picked number nine, Ephraim Boris, 
uh, who I can't hate on either. He has two really good or two pitches that should be pretty good, and another pitch that should be okay. Um, his home run situation looks okay. His pitching profile looks pretty solid. Um, I think he could be a pretty good pitcher. Uh, I just think that there's guys out there that he could have taken that could be better. So mm-hmm. I'm really, really nitpicking here. Um, I think he's going to end up being a pretty solid middle of the rotation pitcher. Um, and now, you know, for Coors Field, with the home run situation being murky, that's kind of scary. But uh, I think he's going to be pretty solid. But I think there's some guys that really could – I think I thought Simon Coffey would be, like, the perfect guy for CAD just with, with Coors Field and the projection. I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that – not going to be great, but he's going to be a guy you could – I think you could make a starter and, and be, you know, a really good number three. But I'm just nitpicking. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd have to be nitpicking too. Um, I was originally going to pick on um, uh, Jose Rualdo to Boston, but the more and more I look at that pick, the more and more I like it. He's kind of intriguing, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think really the two picks that I didn't like were toward the bottom of the round. Uh, which is usually a sign that things have gone pretty well. I'd say the first one that's the, the one of the ones that stuck out to me that I didn't like was uh, Leon Costa to the Reds. Um, I recognize that there are some things to like about Costa. There aren't a lot of left-handed sh- hitting shortstops. There aren't a lot of shortstops that look like they'd be able to steal as many bases as Costa. But that's going to come at a cost. Steal as many of, bases? What? He doesn't have great speed, but he has a high steal tendency. His tendency so he's definitely yeah, going to he... run a lot even if he's not going to run very efficiently. Oh, well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that's, run at all. That's, sort of, that's sort of the point I was getting to, GP. We need, maybe we didn't need a run sheet. Uh, he's very aggressive. So I think um, that sort of that base-stealing inefficiency combined with not that great defense, I'm just wondering um, what he brings to the table. Not to mention, uh, I think he's sort of – Above right now, I think he's going to drop sort of back to his previous peak level, which looks like it was 86 instead of 88. Um, as soon as his birthday happens, like, yeah, I mean, if he gets into the 80 range, obviously someone's going to play him at shortstop. But he does look kind of ne- shitty. Yeah, but it. never really going to be an elite defender. I think mm-hmm. at best you're talking about an average defensive shortstop, one that might run you out of runs on the base pass, and I don't think is going to be a particularly good hitter. So. Um, I'd say I'd say this pick was a stay away. I mean, I bet some people are looking at this and thinking, you know what, I can find a way to make this guy good. I'm like, you know, what, you're better off just sort of going with the defensive guy and you know the only way to making sure that that's solid. The only way to make him good is to pull a uh, what's his name? Who was the dude that edited the uh, his prospects way Sean. back in the day? Yeah, you could pull a Sean and just get on here and like change some shit, but. That's the only way it's going to make him good because now I look at him, yeah, that's a – he's not good defensively compared to shortstops. He doesn't have any other projections. I mean, maybe now with the defensive deal going on now, maybe you could try to make him a third baseman because um, he's not going to play first base and, and hit. So, like, right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, know hold on. We have works. a call. Oh, this is your call here, GB. We have a call okay. from Guest 12 on the line. Yeah, let's get it. Come here, Guest All 12. Right. Guest 12, this is FCM. You are on the air. 
get 12 at Kurt Angle. You suck. You suck. You suck. Don't talk about guest 12 like that ever again. <laughs> it's true. It's damn true. That is all. Unfortunately, <sighs> it is not Kurt Angle. It is Jay Main. Jay Main, how are you doing? Hello. I think he said that is all, and he just exited. Yep, he hung Scott. up. Scott, that was just that went up, that bit went over like a fart in church. Stay off the podcast, Jay Main. Uh, all right, fart let's move on. Be a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> let's move on to the later rounds. Uh, were there any names in the later rounds that you thought were particularly interesting? Yeah, I checked out a little bit. There's a, a decent amount of guys that that were were pretty interesting. Um, Arizona drafting CC Zachary in with pick 104. Um, he has an interesting profile. He has a lot of speed, good defense already. Um, he, he needs the right jumps, but in the fourth round, that's great. I thought it was a lot better than my second pick or my second round pick of Roush. So um, that that was a good pick. I, I also give credit to Pikachu, who is the Arizona GM of uh, letting Andy draft for him. That's lovely. I think everyone else should try to do that. Um, uh, I don't know that that's actually what happened. Apparently, I think he may have had a list. If he did, good job, Pikachu. You crazy bastard. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was a good pick still. I thought, God, if, if Pikachu drafted this whole thing, I thought, it was, I thought he made a lot of good picks. Anyways. So, um, for late round picks, I thought Gilly um, picked 94th overall. Um, I think he bought the pick from Harold for a Horn, second base, third base type guy. You know, his, his profile isn't great, but he's 18. He plays, you know, a pretty good, valuable position either way. And uh, I think he, with the right jumps, you know, contact and power could be pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. One more I got. St. Louis, GD, mysterious GD. Um, he picked 118, uh, Carter, the pitcher. Um, he he dropped recently. I think it was a five-point drop, but I'm not sure, for his birthday, which isn't great, but his profile is really good. So if he gets a big jump next time, um, I, you know, he would, he'd be a second-round pick type guy. So uh, I like mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. Some reasonable names in there. Let's go with some. I'm going to praise Pikachu or Andy or Andachu or Picandy. We're going with Picandy. Okay. So Picandy um, with the selection in the middle of the second round, Carlos Tamames. Um, you know, another one of these, uh, another one of these, like, you know, left-handed hitting first baseman, but there's a lot to like about Tamames in my mind. Um, I think you potentially could play him from both sides of the plate. I think his power is going to develop particularly uh, well. And I think um, with some of the random drops, uh, he might actually be uh, better than the 85 peak and might be more of, uh, if he were at that 90 peak range, he would have gone in the first round. He would have gone ahead of guys, uh, ahead of guys like Ian Prada and, you know, Steve Lewis and guys like that. And I think he got pretty good value by waiting to the mid-second to grab a guy like that. He was the guy that I was targeting um, in the draft uh, at that point. Um, I think um, another 
interesting guy to go with would be Trey Sharples, but I'm trying to figure out where he went in the draft. Uh, Trey Sharples Trey went in the fifth. Trey Sharples went all the way in the fifth round uh, to San Diego, and I think he has a lot of upside. He's very young, only 17 years old. Uh, controls five over his overall, has solid power, um, good fastball, and um, only and it doesn't look like he has much of a home run problem, which is surprising for a 17 year old in 17 year old only pitching in high school who's only a 50, 51 overall. I think um, he has the upside of a lot of the arms that went in the third round, but to get him in the fifth round was a really smart pick uh, by San Diego, and I think that that's definitely going to be one that we're looking back at later as sort of an underrated um, an underrated uh, selection. And um, I think uh, definitely probably the steal of the whole draft, uh, let me see if I can find his, uh, it would be Todd Barnes, the pick that went to you. What round did you get him in? Uh, like the fourth. Oh, um, one one hundred three. Yeah, at 103rd overall, uh, I think Todd Barnes is going to end up, at least from one side of the plate, being a phenomenal hitter. And I think he'll at least be a functional uh, defender in left field as well. Obviously, you're going to have to platoon a guy like him. That goes without question. But I think even if he gets only to about an 80 overall, he will be starting for a major league team, and that major league team will probably be the Detroit Tigers because that's who you drafted. But Barnes was definitely a guy that I wanted to trade up back into the draft to get to get a chance of getting him. And at only 17 years old, there's a lot to reject here and a lot of potential upside, at least from one side of the plate. I think you're saying this because he's from New Hampshire and you have a soft spot for New England State's. I've never actually been to New Hampshire. Really? Wow. Nope. I've been to I've never been to New Hampshire or Maine. I've been to the other New England states. Hmm. Well, uh, I guess just, you should maybe go eventually. I I don't see why I should. What's there in There's New Hampshire? There's a lot of colorful trees in the fall, which I know the whole, <laughs> all the other states have them. Exactly. Um, <laughs> there's uh, probably some chicks in there that are underrated. Oh, you're dating. You have a girlfriend don't you that's true i can't be i can't be trolling for new hampshire ass you know at this point in my life hey i mean that's underrated you know i don't know (laughs) see what happens (laughs) the underrated uh new hampshire women um Mm -hmm. okay i think uh one thing that we can do uh before we wrap up the draft who who overall do you think had a particularly good or bad draft all right, so I'm going to cancel out some guys that had a lot of first-round picks because they have a lot easier way to go. Um, there's one. So I would say a really good draft um, came from Arizona with their picks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a you know three or four dudes I really liked on their team, and they didn't have really high picks. I thought they kind of let the draft fall to them. I still have no idea who drafted for them. Um, but Arizona did really well. Pick Andy. Um, so probably Andy. I don't know. Hopefully not. Hope, hopefully we don't have this every year. We're like, oh, man, I have to take a vacation, so uh, you have to pick for me. That sucks. But uh, <laughs> Let's just say I'd be scheduling, like, pretty routine vacations every two months, and my exactly. family would not understand why. <laughs> there you go. I think you have a second family. But uh, yeah. um, to lesser degree, I think San Francisco did pretty well, and I think uh, San Diego did pretty well. 
Yeah. I mean, I would have uh, singled out, um, I think San Diego had a lot of picks and took advantage of them, but in terms of a team that didn't have a lot of picks, but made the most of them, I don't think San Francisco had a bad pick. Um, They probably ended up with the best pitcher in the draft in Dalzell. They ended up with O'Donnell, who I think should be a pretty solid catcher, who's not going to be an incredible hitter, but at the very least is going to be solid at the plate and throw runners out. And I think arms like Brian Beck, uh, Michael Burnham, and Scott Henderson, all of the potential to develop very, very well, and I think could all end up as major league caliber pitchers. They probably won't all hit, but if you hit on two of those guys, in addition to Dalzell, in addition to O'Donnell, uh, this is a pretty, this is a pretty good draft for Harold. Um, I would have liked to see him stay in the draft a bit longer and see if he can get some more picks at the end, but um, you know, to sort of modify the depth a bit here. I'll say this: he he did he sold two picks in the fourth round um, to Gilly and me, uh, where we drafted Horn and and uh, Barnes, your boy, and he got twenty twenty two million dollars for those two picks in the fourth round, which he is trying to get a new stadium. So, you know that helps him as well. And honestly, twenty million dollars for two picks in the fourth round is pretty oh, yeah, solid value. Great. I can't knock that. I mean, yeah. would I have liked him to at least like you know maybe stolen your boat? You know, instead of trading the pick to you, just taking your boy Barnes. Yeah, probably. But um, I think overall, though, this is still a pretty good haul for Harold, who I think is starting to show is he's, we've. I think we've had some false alarms as to when uh, the the Giants will be back. I think he's starting to get closer, and I really like the the group of talent he's collecting. Yeah, his farm's really nice. Um, he got some some positions that hard to find that he has some really good prospects at his pitching looks like it'll be a pretty solid rotation down the road um and uh yeah i mean and the west is wide open so i know you have maddie there but he's a little bit behind in the rebuild compared to harold so uh i think you should have a nice little window and uh see how he does with that i mean if his best pitcher weren't a closer i'd like it even better you know what i mean like Derek moore is a very <laughs> i there's nothing wrong he's with fancy. Derek moore well, no. He's a very he's gonna he's probably one of the best relief pitchers in the file, but at the same time, like if I'm a rebuilding team and I have this young closer on a team that's not actually, you know, winning any games, I'd be dangling that out that guy out there for to see if I, I can get value for him. I guess if I would get blown away I would trade him, but like he's so young that he's gonna still be he's probably gonna hit his prime right when when Harold's trying to win. So yeah. he's not far I mean, away. I could, it was like a yeah, if it was a team that was like, you know, three, four years away, then I could see it. But unless I got blown away, I would keep him. Yeah, Ow. certainly. Fuck. I would have considered converting him by this point once it once it became so clear how good he was at the minor league level, like that he wasn't yeah. giving up home runs and that he was – He's, he's kind of like a Kevin Kaler, if people remember him. Yes, you know? I, I remember him, obviously. Um I think he could end up with that pitch repertoire as being a fairly good starter as well. Uh, yeah. Like, and I mean, like somewhere in like the one to two starter range. So I think he's potentially, if you if you're willing you to be patient, worth converting. You, I, I don't, I didn't, I don't, I have no idea how you or how it goes when you convert a guy that's pretty much peaked out. Uh, I have no it's, idea. It's slow, but you can get him there. Like, it would probably require him. Uh, sitting in the minors until he got to at least like a 50 uh, endurance, which would take, I don't know, about a season. 
I'm not sure people would be thrilled by that, but he's a rebuilding team anyway. And it's not as if it's not as if he's benching his best player for no reason. He'd be benching him for a purpose. Can those dudes like that are like really high peaked out like that, not peaked out, but really close to peaked out, can they drop if you put them in the minors? For, I have no idea. That would be the thing I would worry about. So I would have yeah. I would have started the process started earlier. earlier. Maybe it's better to be. Maybe it's better to leave well enough alone, but he certainly looks like an asset regardless. He's fancy. Yep. Uh, so do you have any predictions about the end of uh, – about uh, this season? Certainly been a weird year for for FCM, not the least because my team started out 34-7 and seven and then went 6-12 and 12 after that. Preaching of the choir on the shitty, shitty year. Well, you, you're still having a good year, so fuck you. But – uh. Um, you know, I think it's uh I think it's pretty standard um for the most part in how everything is going besides like I'll be honest, like Detroit looks not great right now. Um fourth in their division, but uh you know, I think everything else is going pretty much uh status quo. Um in our west, I still think that XXR wins that by default. Mm-hmm. You guys should all be banished to the sea for being in that division. Um, banished to the sea. I think it's that... It's a uh, deep with you. Yes. Ridiculous. Um, I think that the the two wild cards, eh, this might be crazy, but uh, I think that they both come out of the NL Central, which the Central was shitty for a while, too. But uh, I, I'm going to say that Jason kind of takes a nosedive and, and uh, St. Louis takes the first or second spot in the in the wild card on the NL. Um AL uh um I think the West is pretty much for sure Houston. Um the NL or the AL East is really interesting because there's a lot of there's three really good teams right now record wise. Um I still think that Toronto kind of comes back to life or comes back to life, comes back to earth and uh the opposite and, of my and, special life comes yeah, back to dead. Yeah, and fades a little bit, um, hopefully for me, because I would like to still take a wild card spot. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. No no crazy hot takes here. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting um, how, like, um, I think you, Detroit is going to come back. I mean, just the pitching's too good to be, to be that, uh, for the team to be that, like, Slow starting, and I think um, I think you're going to definitely get a boost from from the offense a little bit. Uh, you have you've had Vizcaya and Alston out, like that's going to hurt any team's run production. I think getting those guys back in the lineup means that you should be coming back toward the top. I don't know if you'll necessarily uh, win the AL Central this year with Cleveland off to a fairly good start, but I think you should be in position for a wild card. I have no idea what's happening in the AL East. Um, it's just confusing. <laughs> Um, yes, I, I wasn't expecting Agreed. like it, beside the fact that my team's tailed off in recent months. If you told me they were going to start out the season 40 and 19, I said that might be a little ambitious. Uh, and if you had told me that Toronto was going to start the year off 36 and 22, I might have just I, I might have had a stroke immediately. Uh, but I think um, I think it's definitely going to be a fight to see which of those teams can stay healthy and which of those teams can stay in the race. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Chicago. Now, Chicago sort of, I don't want to say – The White Sox? In. No, no, no. Um, I'm moving to the National Cubs? League for the Cubs. Okay. 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see with their – they sort of snuck in with a mediocre run differential last year, and they're looking like they're in position to do the same this year. Um, I think with Jason being spotted um, a, a like a four- or five-game lead over them to this point, um, I think he's in pretty good position to get a wild card with that pitching staff and with at least enough hitters to to be in the top, to, to be a pretty solid offensive team. I would worry, on the other hand, about about Chicago and St. Louis, both of whom have talent but have huge gaping holes in that roster that I think are really going to be – it's really going to come down to who's going to make a key trade here and there to put it together. So I don't know with GD's track record of being, um, you know, very – a very reluctant to make trades and he's got a roster that's sort of dying, dying out for like a couple pieces here or there to put them over the top. I don't know if they're going to see that resurgence that you're expecting. Mm. Oh shit. But, uh, I, I, I'm more reluctant on, uh, Chicago on the Cubs. Um, I think GD, yeah, he has a ton of crazy holes, but he has kind of like he always does. He has elite talent in a lot of other spots. Um, I think that with the NL just kind of being just kind of weak in general, um, I think that puts him into the wild card. Um, but the Cubs, he has Mav probably has one of his best rosters he's ever had. It's just his defense, man. He needs to figure that shit out because his infield defense is terrible. To yeah. Me. Um, he needs to figure out that some of these dudes aren't where they need to be, and if he. He needs to sacrifice a little offense for uh, a competent defense on the infield. And I think if he does that, and that shouldn't cost that much um, for him at all, really, mm-hmm. he could maybe get value back if he trades uh, smartly. But uh, um, if he d- just does that, I think it keeps him in the in the wild card. And Jason, um, he, he kind of has, like, you know, like, I don't know, fairy dust from the G factor where <laughs> the G kind of has. I'm just saying, that, like, that's has, the, that was the lowest rated talk show this year on uh, on Basic <laughs> Cable, the G factor. The G factor? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it got me going, but what can yeah. I say? So, um, I, it's just, you know, he he doesn't have one thing that you can point to and be like, man, that's really going to keep him, keep him where he needs to be. Uh, he has Owen Houston's really good as a top of the rotation guy. His rotation after that is, you know, fits for his system. Um, his offense kind of fits for a system. So I, th- I think it's going to be really, I think it's going to be a really close wild card between those three teams um, coming down to it. But uh, I just think that, you know, the elite talent on the other two teams are, are going to take them over the top. Hmm. Well, It'd be interesting to see how that plays out uh, the rest of the year. Uh, do you have anything to add on this edition of the podcast before we get off the air? I have nothing to add, G. All right. Well, this was fun. Um, I hope uh, Mike is apparently going to be annoyed at us, according to the link no. yet. Mike has said he, he welcomes this, and I think it would be cool to have a Mike-led podcast. I think you said on Friday – with mostly with the draft because I think it'd be cool to you know different perspectives on different things. So I mean they could, Mike and and Jay Main could completely have different ideas on things that we did. They probably will. Uh, I can definitely mm-hmm. um, I will definitely take a listen to that. Probably not live because that's when my uh, 
That's where my flag football season starts on Friday, but I can definitely probably Uh-oh. listen to it later. Yep. Run the arrow route. Run it well. <laughs> no, the arrow route is very important. I'm definitely going to talk to. I'm definitely going to talk to the split ends about like trying to give trying to give me some space and get the safeties away from me for that. Exactly. I'm going to start calling you Avin Kamara here soon. That's a reference to Harold. I don't think anyone else, for the most part, would recognize it. But anyways, <laughs> right? It's a podcast so full of inside jokes that not even everyone the podcast, not even the <laughs> in-person audience that we get to listen to, understands all of them. Twelve are special. Yep. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the FCM podcast. Uh, I'm G Money. This is this was GB signing off. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.